All right, guys. Our next guest takes on Islam Makachev at UFC 267. This this weekend, in arguably one of the most highly anticipated fights this year, he really is the toast of the town in Las Vegas, even though he's wearing a Texas Longhorns hat, and has quickly become one of the most beloved and respected people in the MMA community, a staple of submission rated programming. He's back for his traditional pre-fight check-in, the one and only, the hangman, Dan Hooker, welcome back, man. How's life? That sounded like a, a hint of an American accent. Well, they introduced you know. me at they introduced me at the media day as the as the Las Vegas local. <laughs> so this is my team. I'm, a, I'm actually a college ball guy. Got into my college ball, Texas Longhorns, Hooker boys. <laughs> Well, as Casper mentioned in the intro there, you are a staple of submission radio programming. And I know you've been at that UFC PI. You saw the Chuck Liddell boardroom. You saw the Ronda Rousey boardroom. Now imagine the submission radio offices. I believe it's time to build a Dan Hooker closet. We don't have the money for a boardroom, but a closet, <laughs> coat room, maybe a shoe rack, something like that. If we ever have an office, what are you thinking about this? I think we could get that done. I think really the Dan, the Dan Hooker water cooler. I oh, think that's like, yes. Oh, yes, where all the good, good chats are. I, I just, I, I might just make a sign. I might just make a sign and just claim a water cooler and just it's the Dan Hooker water cooler. Well, it's like the George Foreman grill. You might be on an idea for a multi million dollar idea here. Dan, Dan <laughs> was water actually, cooler. Yeah. Funny fact that was actually, that actually got um, offered to the Foreman grill, got offered to Hulk Hogan, but he that's turned right. it down. He turned it down. George Foreman took it, made. However, $30, $40 million. I know. Fun fact. Think about how wild Hulkamania would have been running if uh, he was grilling, grilling steaks, you know, all over America. He missed out on he missed out on a, a nice chunk of change. I know. Dude, you're training at the PI. You're in syndicate. You're front row at the fights last night. Uh, last time we spoke, you were off a wrestling practice. Now that, like, this camp is pretty much in the books, dude, how's it been relative to your expectations? I feel like it's it, it's better than it was when you uh, imagined it, right? Oh, definitely better than the last one. Uh, <laughs> now, without a doubt, uh, you know, actually being able to get in the gym and, and get your hand, hands on people and get the work done properly has been... I'm glad there's not eight weeks of this camp. We were we were resting every day, like, pretty hard, pushing it pretty hard at, uh, like, strength and conditioning. I feel good. Like, uh, I felt good throughout those camps. I was pushing, like, uh, right back to work. But the body felt pretty good leading into that. And just obviously everyone knows like resting every day uh, like takes its toll on your body. Um, but yeah, I got through it. Got through all the hard rounds with, with no injuries and, and coming out like uh, I feel like I've got the work done. So I'm coming into, yeah, I'm coming into fight week like um, very confident. Is it kind of refreshing to get tips for, and advice from guys like John Wood and Mike Pyle and sort of get to see things from a different lens than you normally would. I suppose there's some benefits because there's a lot of great minds over there at Syndicate. And obviously at City Kickboxing, you guys do incredible work, but was it fun to sort of get a different perspective going into this fight? Oh, 100%. I did the um, I did the pro class at Syndicate. Um, I did it every day, I did the, whenever I could, to get a training session in with, uh, yeah, John Wood and, and Mike Powell and, uh, you know, Frank Mears in there. Um, pretty much every day coaching as well. So having like those three legends, you know, just um, just sharing their knowledge with you has been been awesome, man. Like it's been it's been pretty incredible. 
and uh, you know having having Frankie just running my training because yeah you can't you can't be your own head coach it's, I know you know full well that that doesn't work out very well so um, you know I've had Frankie just talking with Eugene and you know running over the, the things that we want to work on or the things we want to focus on just with him and and I just um, I just follow Frankie if he says five rounds he's, I do five rounds if he says ten rounds I do ten rounds like uh, yeah it's been um. It's been uh, it's been good, man. It's been real good. Yeah, and it's like an opportunity that you didn't really have, you know, previously. I know you trained up in Colorado for a while at Team Elevation, and obviously City Kickboxing, Eugene, amazing, amazing. But it's not every day that you get to just go like, all right, I'll train a different gym and, and get some more perspective. But I want to ask, did you spar Darren Till? He's over at Syndicate right now. Oh, he's coming and um and watched. I think he's doing um like most of his work. At the PI, like I, I see him at the PI a lot. Um, so you're saying he was afraid to spy. That's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not. No, I think he's like uh, like re- rehabbing his rehabbing. A, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but he had like an injury from his last fight. Mm. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's common knowledge, so I don't want to go in. <laughs> the ACL, yeah, and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, so everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, he's like doing doing like rehab from his knee. I think he's like down at Syndicate. There were a few boys um, down there from the UK as well. So he's just um, just in there watching them and just in there getting uh, getting a feel for the gym, I guess, because it's yeah, it's like hard just like rolling up and jumping into sparring at a new gym because yeah, like some gyms are pretty hostile and you're going to get your head taken off mm. um, if you're like a bigger name guy like Darren Till. So I guess he's just coming in and, and having a look and getting a feel for the gyms. I mean, there's a lot of great bonuses to being in Vegas. One of them is of course the UFC PI. Me and Casper have been there and uh, man, that honestly, that to drag us out of that kitchen. That food was delicious. It's cheap. And, uh, Especially I think when it's on someone over- else's tab. <laughs> yeah, it was on someone else's tab. I think we overdid it. We were like trying to stockpile for the rest of the year because we're MMA media. But now that you've experienced, what what is the actual part that you're moving, uh, looking forward to the most? Uh, moving CKB to the US. Um, is there anything that sort of stands out with your time over there in Las Vegas? And by the way, does it look like Las Vegas is going to be the spot for you where you're actually going to be sort of setting up camp for the next sort of training camps and stuff? Um, oh, I honestly haven't put uh, like a shred of thought into anything after this weekend. Like once this got, you know, it was a pretty hasty decision to get that done. So I haven't really, I haven't really looked past this fight week. You know, we're gonna go over there, get back, and then it just, um, yeah, we'll see it. We'll see how things play out. But um, with gyms like still being, well, I can't even get into New Zealand. Like that's the thing. Like everyone's kind of, <laughs> it's not like I'm. People have messaged me like, oh, you know, like Tony, I'm not. I would go back to New Zealand if I could. Like they, they won't let me back in. So um, I'm making the most of of being away from my home gym, being away from my home team. But uh, yeah, like with the gyms being shut back in New Zealand and not being able to get back into the country, it's um, I'm making the most of it. You know what I mean? Um, we'll see how things go in New Zealand. But um, yeah, things are things are pretty good over here. Once you know Brad gets here and Kai get here, it's some friendly faces, and we've got um, like a program pretty well established to to keep the boys fit in case anything um, short notice pops up for them or, or like another big opportunity crosses um, their path. And it's kind of the cool thing about being in Las Vegas. You're right there. And if anything does pop up, you're right there in the fight capital of the world. But I also saw in your uh, Instagram stories, you were going for a bit of a jog, 
near uh, Allegiant Stadium over there in Las Vegas. You guys obviously watched the Raiders game there. And Eugene Behrman, he was on the show and he mentioned to us last time that he was kind of scoping it out a little bit. He's given it. Have a, have a little bit of a look around, seeing how things look over there. And I know you said that's a good-looking stadium. Um, are you already sort of picturing a CKB takeover in the near future with you, Israel, Brad, Kai, and some of the other boys on the card? Big stadium show? At Allegiant. Oh, man, that would be I, – like, I was that was like the main thing. I was just sitting there at Allegiant Stadium and just – What's it? Seventy-five thousand people, and it's got a it, it had a roof on it, and it was air conditioned. Like it's it's oh, perfect nice. for a fight show. Like it's absolutely perfect. And I was just imagining it. I was imagining that cage inside the middle of that stadium. Imagine it, it, it full with fight fans or UFC fans, Las Vegas. You know, it'll be in a fight week, like a international fight week or something. It'll be absolutely incredible. Um, so I've yeah, like visualize it, man, and and. It's like, that's what you do, man. You visualize it and then work to make it happen. Yeah. They need to bring back slogans like for your events, like when they had like, yeah. you know, UFC, whatever, 71, undisputed. It needs to be like UFC 2, whatever, CKB versus the world. I'm telling you, man, it's Vegas. You got, <laughs> you got the PI, you got the free food, you got all the physio and everything around the corner. It's got to be Vegas. Um, but you were mentioning how like good your training, your conditioning and everything is. We saw you tweet it out. Let's make it five rounds. What's, what's all this about? Let's do it. I just feel good, man. I just feel good. I feel like, you know, there was a, a couple of really hard weeks getting getting back into it, getting back into the swing of things. And by that, I mean getting um, getting the rounds in, you know, with, with the bodies getting the sparring in, getting the wrestling in, um, wrestling every day, conditioning every second day. And it was a, was a real grind there for a couple of weeks. And then that last week, just come on, man, just felt, felt good. Like felt the fitness was there, wrestling for – you know, resting for for forty five minutes straight and and feeling feeling good, feeling sharp, feeling fresh, like feeling like everything was um, technically there. I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like a five rounder. That's you know, I just finished one of the last hard sessions of my camp, and I'm feeling like a five rounder. So if if we can make that happen, then I'm I'm one hundred percent in. Let's let's make a five. I feel like people are intrigued by this matchup. Um, as intrigued by this matchup as the um, co-main and main. So let's let's do it justice. It's definitely one of the fights that everybody's tuning in for. What do you think about Islam responding and saying that it would be worse for you? That's a yes. That's that sounds good to me. Like that's that's a yes. That's uh that's him calling my buff. Um and me Going all in. That's me back in my hand and and going all in. Um, if that's if that's his response, then let's do it. What's the hold up? Let's let's make it five rounds. If for whatever reason it's not five rounds, or if it is actually presented, and then because we know you're in, if for whatever reason he doesn't accept it, what w- what does that say? What do you take away from that? Um, it ain't me. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it, it it ain't me. Like let's let's push Sean Shelby, Dana White. Let's do this fight justice. Let's make uh, let's make this fight five rounds. Let's make it 25 minutes. Let's get after it. Let's see who let's see who really is the the better fighter when we get out get out here. And I promise you, as a fans, and they know that I um, they know that I'm not I ain't no yellow belly. Um, it ain't me. Let's let's get this thing five rounds. I want to push. 
This is exactly why I think the UFC started making non-title fights five rounds. This is exactly the type of fight that people want to see. How much do you think that would change the fight, though, if it went from three rounds to five rounds? How much does it change strategy and what the fight kind of looks like in your head? Um, I don't care. I don't care. I just feel like I'm the better fighter. And the longer period of time you get to, you get to show that or you, or you get to prove that, then that's the better. That's why... These main events are five rounds. That's why they're not three rounds. That's why championship fights are five rounds and not three rounds. Because you truly, the only thing that um, separates the better fighter is time. Like that's that's the only thing that can separate. You know, if you just pick the pick someone off the street and throw them in an octagon and gave the fight um, ten seconds. Well, who knows? You put him in with the best fighter in the world. You make the fight five seconds, then who, who knows? Like, you're going to have to make it a minute. You're going to have to make it five minutes. You're going to have to make it 15 minutes to see who the better fighter is. It's the true testament to skill. It's the true testament to your ability as a martial artist is is time. The, lo- the more amount of time you get to see who the better fighter is. Mm. That's a great point, by the way, because there are so many historic fights in the history books where the fight just completely turns in round four and five and just plays out so differently. And we've seen fights that go three rounds where fans are like, oh, man, if only it had two more rounds. And I'm wondering, Dan, in your whole sort of career, did you have any of those fights that were three rounds that in your head you're like, man, if only this was a five rounder, like I wish this was a little bit longer. Did you ever have that feeling about any of your past sort of fights in your career? Um, man, I really have to, I really have to think about that, but, um, it just, it, like, I feel like it's, yeah, you don't want to make guys do the, the 25 minutes too on, uh, too early on. It's for, it's for special fights. That's what it's for. It's for fights, um, where there's like a real question about who, like, it's like proven guys, you know what I mean? It's like proven guys who can, um, show that they're like a level above everyone else. That's what the that's what I feel like twenty five minutes is for. You gotta really prove that you're a main event fighter. You gotta really prove that you're in that in that top echelon of 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 fighters. Um you gotta show you that you're the complete package. That's that's how you get to a main event, that's how you get to five five minute rounds. So I feel like yeah, it's not it's not for everyone. And and you definitely it's definitely a lot harder on your body. Um but um, yeah, I just—it's just how I feel at the moment. I just feel—I just feel like I could um, really push hard for five rounds. I love it because both of you guys, even Islam, responding, and now you saying things like, you know, it's not for everyone, and you know, it, it ain't me. You're you're down for five rounds. It just makes the stakes feel so much bigger for the fight. I'm sure Uncle Chael will be appreciating all of this. And I know that you've you've been enjoying the fact that people are so high on Islam. People are saying that, you know, he's he's maybe the next Habib. He's, you know, potentially a, a future title challenger or, or title holder. You know, people talking about him like he's already the future goat of the division. I know you're enjoying that, but how much will you enjoy, you know, going in there and assuming all goes well, playing spoiler to the, you know, quote unquote hype train? Yeah, that's um, that's like one thing I've never uh, understood about um, like fighters trash talking their opponents. In in that aspect, like if you got like a real uh, like problem with a guy, 
or you're trying to pick a fight with someone, I can understand like saying some saying some nasty things like trying to trying to pick a fight with a guy. Like that's a it's a whole different story. But when when like fights are booked and you're saying like what is I'm saying to um Rafael, I saw, you know, I saw some some back and forth with Dos Anjos and um and Islam and he's saying, Oh, he's old, he's washed up, you know, he's he's like he's not got it anymore. It it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh like it's not why I wanna fight someone. I don't wanna fight someone because uh like I think I can beat them easy. That makes me that makes me completely not wanna fight someone. I wanna fight someone because um because they're dangerous. I want to fight someone because everyone's saying that this guy's better than you. That's why I want to fight someone. I want to fight the best fighters in the world. That's just my mentality when I approach the, the sport. And also, like, why would you want to just sit there and be like, yeah, oh, this guy's this guy's rubbish. This guy's this. This guy can't strike. This guy can't grapple. I'm going to beat him easy. Then you beat him easy. Like, you just downplayed your achievement. Mm. It just makes, like, anyone... Anyone in the sports um, achievements can be downplayed, and you see it endlessly. Uh, and you see it, you see it endlessly on on social media, like guys' achievements, like what Khabib achieves and then retired, what GSP achieved and retired. Like people say, oh, you know, well, you know, Khabib only had this amount of fights, or GSP got knocked. Like it's just anyone's achievements can be downplayed. So, I, and I really don't feel like. And I feel like when fighters do it to each other, when the fighters like downplay each other's achievements, um, then it makes it like okay for the fans, like the supporters of that person to down, then downplay achievements. It makes it okay. It makes it okay if, if a fighter says it to a fighter and that becomes the common theme, um, it makes it like okay for all the all the fans are like, oh, well, uh, he, you know, Connor said it to Khabib. I can say it to Khabib. It's like it doesn't, yeah. It did. (laughs) It's just the 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 wrong way to go about it. Mm. Mm. No, it's absolutely a great point. It's like you 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 talk your opponent down, but then when you beat him, it's like, (laughs) well, you said he's no good at anything. So who did you really beat? It's the the old pro wrestling uh, approach where it's like, don't make your opponent look like nothing, because then you just don't make yourself any bigger from the win. But I'm curious though, Dan. Obviously, being around the PI, being at the fights, have you had a chance to speak to Dana White? I mean, he'd be super pumped that you took this fight. Have you guys had a chance to talk about the actual fight happening and what's at stake for you if you do win? Um, nah, nah. Like that's the last thing that he wants to hear. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's got he's got every man and his dog like coming up to him, and as soon as like a fighter walks up to him, of course, the first thing out of a fighter's mouth is like, "I want." A title show. I want, I want like it's just fighters coming up to him and and telling them um, what they want. It's just it's it it goes without saying. Like I know, like I've um, yeah, I've been at the fights. I've bumped into Sean Shelby um, like a bunch of times. There's no need to say it. I I know what's at stake for this fight. I know that there are title implications for the winner of this fight or the winner of this fight. Um, it's just nothing but nothing but big things after this fight, and that that absolutely goes without saying. There's no there's no need in in my mind for a guarantee. I believe it's I believe it's already guaranteed. 
Mm. Well, I mean, and I think also like it's a feel good story too. Like the way everything that happened before the Nazareth fight and then you coming in here and then beating a guy that's so highly touted. It just, you know, it's, it's, it's a wild story. And I know that you dropped uh, the other day, the don't hunt what you can't kill t-shirt on your site, danhangman.com, which is a nice throwback to your last post fight speech. Uh, but I, I'm curious though, like obviously you made a shirt about it. What does the phrase don't hunt what you can't kill sort of mean to you, Dan? It's um, don't hunt, don't hunt what you can't kill. You know, I see a lot of fighters, you know, calling, calling like you see it, you see it so much. Guys like calling guys out, and then they actually get what they want, and they weren't, they weren't ready for it. They get in the cage with that person, and they're not ready for it. You know, I see that with guys calling me out. You know, saying, "Oh yeah, this, this, this," and it's like, but. If they lock me in a cage with you, you, you would be so, you would be so finished. I would walk right through you. You know what I mean? Like, don't hunt, don't hunt what you can't kill. Don't pick a fight you can't win. That's um, that's the the meaning behind it. I mean, it's a pretty opportune time to be dropping that T-shirt, right? You've got Islam. He was calling out for a long time. Do you feel like that's kind of, uh, I don't know if narrative's really the right word, but do you feel like that kind of describes this fight in a sense, the the, the whole don't hunt what you can't kill mentality? We're going to find out. That's the, that's the beauty of this. We've got, um, we got a handful of days till we get locked in that cage and, and we find out. We find out who's been... Um, who's been wrong this whole time. You know, I believe that I'm the better fighter. He, he believes he's the better fighter. That's, um, that's why we fight. If this, if the sport was called winning, everyone would do it, but it's called fighting. <laughs> we get to, uh, we get to get in there and we get to test each other. Um, yeah, we get to see who's been full of shit this whole time. Yeah, 100%. UFC 267, who's full of shit? Uh, speaking of shit, free shit, that is. Our good friends at Canadip CBD recently gave away a free, a free, free, free trip to UFC 268, Usman versus Covington 2. Hopefully, that was you. Congratulations to you. Uh, if it was, enjoy New York, courtesy of Canadips and Submission Radio. Uh, for those curious, Canadips are fantastic. They're great tasting, superior alternative to traditional dip using CBD in a way that is radical, enjoyable, and effective. All flavor, no tobacco, no nicotine pouches that are spit-free. comes in five core flavors, wintergreen, mint, citrus, mango, American spice, and it is crafted and manufactured in Humboldt County, California, the heart of the cannabis industry. Uh, And let's be honest, man, traditional dip is a hassle. It's addictive, it's messy, and it's also over 100 years old. Other alternatives, they're just not good enough for you guys today. Uh, They're either still addictive, still messy, or tastes terrible. Canadip CBD is the new evolution in dip, allowing you guys to enjoy great long-lasting taste Without the downsides, it is 100% American-grown hemp combined with a water-dispersible technology, so it absorbs rapidly. They have developed a way to deliver CBD through the mouth that nobody else has, so you can actually enjoy it. Uh, CanadaPCBD.com, and it is open 24-7. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. It's life-changing stuff. And you guys can save 20% off by clicking the description below and using the code word SUBMISSION. That is 20% off. Click the descript- the link in the description below and use that code word SUBMISSION. Change your life forever. And Cass, speaking of changing your life forever, I mean, the big fights that's happening this weekend. Obviously, Dan is on to talk about his huge fight with Islam Makhachev. And there is just so much money to be made this weekend with my bookie. My God, if you guys are looking to make some money, 
You guys have to go to my bookie and make sure to use that code word submission when you sign up. That's use that code word submission when you sign up. All the best bets, all the best odds, all the best prop bets are at my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie and the code word submission. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't help this past weekend uh, hearing Paul Acosta talking about his torn bicep, thinking that could have been one of you guys. That could have been one of your nuts uh, using your old <laughs> rusty razor. Don't do that. You don't want a torn nut. You want uh, the Manscaped. Lawnmower 4.0 with its skin safe technology and multiple different guards so you can adjust uh, at your leisure, at your safety, different uh, textures in your pubes if you like. It's got the travel lock so it doesn't go off in your bag. It's waterproof, up to 90 minutes battery power, 7,000 RPM motor. It's got the LED light so you can do it, I don't know, upside down in some kind of... Uh Sex Dungeon, if you own one, whatever you want. Uh, the performance package comes with the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker Era Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, which you just carry with you. You can have it in your car if you want. And if you go, ooh, I'm not so fresh, you just duck into the toilet, splash it on, bam, respawned like you're playing uh, Call of Duty, circa 2010. And two free gifts, performance box of briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. Simply delightful, isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. Be like James Bond. There's no time to die from long pubes. And thanks, Manscaped. You don't have to deal with it. Make sure to jump on. Use a code word submission. Free shipping as well. A code word submission. Change your life forever with Manscaped. Do it today. But Dan, just on that uh, don't hunt what you can't kill mentality, I know you were at the Costa Vittori fight. What was your reaction to the whole Costa last minute weight class change situation, especially being at the fights live and watching it go down. And I know you love to use the hashtag team no excuses. Can you take us into why team no excuses is such an important mentality for you and the guys at City Kickboxing, especially with these uh, situations like with Costa and Vittori happening more and more frequently in the sport these days? Um, yeah, like that's obviously it's not um, like what Costa did, and and like he didn't really, he didn't, he didn't like earn the right to do that. He, it was like a funny situation because it was only what a couple of weeks ago that we let um, like Nick Diaz roll up and 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 do it, but you know, Paul Costa hadn't done for the sport what what Nick Diaz had done, but obviously same result. He got he got the weight uh, the weight class changed entirely so so i don't know it's kind of funny like a bit of a bit of a power play but it's not it's not for me it's not um (coughs) it's not like the like the anzac culture of the sport that's not like that would never happen like um something like that in in new zealand or australia i feel like if you (coughs) if you just showed up to a to a like a local kickboxing show with your fighter um, 10 kilos overweight and we're like what are you going to do about it I feel like you'd get beaten up you get beaten up in the car park I feel <laughs> like there's um, it's a it's just a it's a sign of respect like that's that's all it is it's a it's a it's a matter of it's a matter of respect like I show up on weight as a respect for you know my opponent as a respect for my gym as a respect for you know representing who I represent. It's a it's a sign of respect to the fans. It's a sign of respect um, to the promotion. It's 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 absolutely everything. So it's a yeah, it, it absolutely is what it is. Him him coming out like that is just a massive F you to to the fans, F you to the UFC, F you to his opponent. So it 
it is what it is. It's funny that you say that because Tim Kennedy, another uh, former UFC middleweight, said pretty much verbatim what you said, that last part about, you know, missing weight and stuff. But I love it because kind of the narrative for this fight is like, you know, Dan Dan Hooker took this fight on short notice, right? And I guess it would be easy for anybody to just kind of have this built-in excuse, but you're going the other way. You're just like, team, no excuses. You're eliminating, you know, any kind of excuses, anything. And I love it. And I think that's what a lot of people appreciate about you as well. As if they didn't already appreciate you for like even the Nazareth fight and stuff. But just quickly, let's recap. You forced the New Zealand embassy to grant you a US visa. You did that. You flew to the other side of the world. You made weight in 12 hours. You fought. You won. You took a fight days later despite not having your whole team, your coaches, your gym at your disposal, you know, against a guy who many people are touting as, you know, the future of the division. And now you're asking for five rounds. You want more rounds. It's like you're making it arguably harder. What do you think when people are saying, like, dude, this guy is the real BMF champion of the UFC? You see that a lot now. Ah, oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm just doing me. Is I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to put on a show. I'm not trying to um, put on it. People would be able to see right through it. People would be able to see right through it. Islam could come out and and call the bluff and say, "Oh, look, I approached the UFC and he came back with five rounds and he turned it down." They know. They know that that's not going to happen. They know that that's not me. Um, it's just who I am. It's just the way that I approach the sport. It's the way that I've always approached the sport. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not like difficult at all. Um, we'll see what happens after this as well. Go out there, get the job done. There are there are two massive lightweight fights before the end of the year. Knock on wood. Something you know, you don't want something to go wrong, but I'll put my hand up. That's um, that's all me. That's all me. I'll I'll get back in there as long as I'm, as long as I can be medically cleared by a state commission to fight, I will fight. I love it, man. We'll let you go in a second, Dan. But I wanted to ask you this, like, because obviously a big part of the narrative here is just you know, even you you taking this fight. And like sort of taking it to Islam with like, you know, the five round demand and everything. Let me ask you this, because obviously we've spoken many times and there's this kind of a pattern, the way you talk about your past fights, the way you are, you're happy to take risks, right? In a time where the sport sometimes feels more political than ever in terms of rankings and opponents and matchmaking, you go the opposite. You're kind of going against the grain. Why do you think you're so, I guess, like unafraid to fail? Like you obviously put pressure on yourself to win and to perform, but there's something about you where you mm. kind of seem to really, you know, relish the lessons that come with, with any outcome. Like when you talk about the Chandler and Poirier fights, it's clear that you kind of have zero resentment about them. Um, you speak with almost a sense of like freedom that you don't always hear from fighters when they address former losses, you know? Well, why, why do you think that is with you? Because, you know, each, each one of those fights, I can compare the fighter that I was. You can... You, that's the beauty of of um, this whole sport being on camera. This is the beauty of you know there being a camera at, at every single um, one of my fights I've ever had, or, or especially my UFC careers there um, on Fight Pass. You can go back, you can go back and watch. You can go back and watch, uh, you know, my first handful of fights in the UFC, and then compare that fighter to this fighter now. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the fighter that I am today without every single one of those lessons you take you know you take one of those losses out and all that's going to happen is it's going to happen in the future i would i would rather it had happened in my past 
than happen in my future. All of this, all of this, my career, all of these lessons are preparing me for for the future. That's that's how I feel. It's you know the amount of times I've seen guys you know have storied careers and do this and do that and get to their title fight and and that's my biggest fear is, is getting to that title fight and not have having all of those lessons and not being the fighter that I truly feel like I am now because I I feel like so well developed from all of these lessons throughout my career, um, which I've seen a lot of guys, they haven't been through or they haven't suffered or they haven't been able um, to persevere through and continue growing and, and building their mentality. It's so that when I get to that title fight that I've done, I've, I've left absolutely no stone unturned and, and I'll be, I'll be more than ready to more than ready for that challenge, more than ready to come out and shine in that moment and, and not let that ultimate goal pass me by or, or slip through my fingers. I mean, obviously you're trying to, you know, do you the way that you do it, but at the same time, you're also sort of setting an example for a lot of young fighters in the division, a lot of guys coming up, a lot of people watching you who take inspiration in what you do and you explaining your mentality. I know we've seen a lot of people talk about how you inspire them and you sort of get them going. Is, is that something that you like, have you, were you setting out to sort of do that? I know you're the team captain over there at CKB, but you're in this position now with all these fighters are like, you know, wow, Dan Hooker, like he's really kind of an example for me as I'm moving up the, the, the division. I'm just wondering like, how, how does that even make you feel kind of being in that position now? Mm, I feel like it's got, I feel like it's got nothing. I feel like it's got nothing to do with me. I feel like it's just a testament and, and a credit to the culture that I came up in because I'm just, a, I'm purely just a result of the, the my surroundings. I'm purely just a result of, of the culture I was surrounded with by um, all of my coaches throughout my career instilling these values in me. That's, that's all it is. There's, you know, it's not, they just roll up and, and insist on making weight for no reason. It's because I've had coaches, I've had, you know, Carl Weber and Eugene Behrman and, and Tristram and Andre and Doug Viney and John Olson and, and all of these guys instill this in me. You know, there there have been times in my career when I've said, oh, I want to, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. And you get a smack around the ears and they tell you, you're you're doing this because you, you know, you get, yeah. they've, in, they've instilled it in me. That's, that's all it is. So it's just a... It's just a result of being surrounded by um, a lot of a lot of strong leaders throughout my career, and and taking those lessons and and learning those lessons. That's um that's all it is. I love it, man. I love it. And then just quickly, they're bringing the family in. The UFC's flying in your family after the fight. What what's the plan? Is it just kind of all right? We're all going to live because originally it was going to be you're just going to live in Vegas indefinitely or in America indefinitely. But now I guess what you'll be you'll be with the family indefinitely until you you know win the lottery, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're still uh, we're still playing the lottery, and there's still uh, absolutely no luck. But yeah, that's that's the part of this this whole plan that I have. Um, I haven't, I haven't thought part. Uh, I haven't thought past this. Um, going over there, getting the job done, jumping, jumping on the next plane out of town, coming back here, and uh, once I land back here, my family will be here within uh, within a day or two, and then it's uh, yeah. And then once they're here, uh, uh, you know, wherever you know, my girls are. I feel, I feel at home. You know what I mean? Like there's, 
right now it's like a there's a like an uneasiness where I don't feel like everything's there and I don't I don't feel like at home. It feels like a it feels like a very foreign place to me. Um, which is good during a fight camp, which is good during a, a fight week to have that feeling of like, um, you know, you're, you're away and, and you, you're, you're off on a raid and you're, 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 you know, you're, you're trying to get, you're, you're going to raid some villages and then bring some prizes back to your hometown. That's, that's the way that I feel. But once the girls get here, it's, it's time to, you know, it's time to really soak it in and, and time to relax. Mm. I can only imagine what that uneasiness feels like. I imagine it's like uh, being overseas and thinking you left the oven on, but like times a thousand <laughs> and like it's not going away. <laughs> I was, we were gonna, Bang on the money. Yeah. Bang on the money. We were going to end the interview by asking you what you want people to take away just from your mentality because, I, like I said, I feel like it's kind of the feel-good story of the year. But I also feel like you kind of answered that in like the last few questions. So we'll divert to the plan B, which is, um, you know, now that it's, I guess the last time we speak before the big fight, how do you see it ending? How do you see yourself getting hand raised against, uh, Islam Makachev? I know you disagreed with most of what Javier Mendez said as far as, um, you know, your chances and like your, your, um, you know, plan to go in there. How do you see it ending, man? Yeah, I feel like I, I, I know, um, I know what they're doing. I know that as soon as you come out like that, as soon as you, you know, you, it's um they're trying to put that 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 thought into my mind where I'm just like oh I've got to I've got to knock them out but then as soon as you're only trying to knock someone out or look for that big finish um you get heavy and you get slow and and you you're you're waiting and you're very to to you know perform that knockout shot you're very planted and heavy on your feet and um it's very easy for someone to grab a hold of you when you're in that in that state um, so that's definitely not what I'm thinking. All of all of the times I've knocked someone out, it's um, I've not been trying to knock them out. I've just been I've just been fighting my fight and 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 feeling sharp and and, and doing the things that I knew to do and making good decisions. And and the knockouts just happen; they just come. So that's what I'm preparing for. I'm preparing for going out there and, and being in a state where I perform my best, making making great decisions and um, getting the best of this guy and, and proving that I'm the better fighter. If a knockout comes, if a submission comes, then it comes. Um, but I truly feel like I'm, I'm going to win this fight by proving I'm the better fighter. And all your fans in Australia and New Zealand are preparing to have an all-nighter at the pub as you take on Islam Makhachev early in the morning, <laughs> Sunday morning over here in Australia. Yeah, of, course, of course, follow the man at Dan the Hangman on uh, Twitter, Dan Hangman on Instagram, and get some Don't Hunt What You Can't Kill merch at danhangman.com. Sold out. Sold out already. I believe you can uh, I believe you can pre-order um, another one. But yeah, they they from what I've been told, they're, they're, they got sold out in the – was it a day or, or a day or two oh, days? Wow, there's going to be some uh, counterfeit uh, don't hunt what you can't kill with three L's <laughs> being sold at Alibaba. <laughs> now, uh, now that they find out the popularity of don't buy them off Alibaba. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, make sure to check it out. We can't wait, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. We're building that uh, closet or shoe rack or water cooler. We're trying to get it water all. Water cooler. Together. I like the water cooler. Stay hydrated. Nice, nice. <laughs> 